you know, when you're, when you're in the process of uh, renewing your mind to the truth and to who God is, um, it's a, and give, give me just, maybe just a touch more if you don't care, sorry. There's, there's, um, it's a, it takes time to renew your mind, you know, and um, it's, uh, it takes time, and how I many you know it takes time to renovate anything? You know what I'm saying? And like, um, here recently, I came home from the trip I did in Chicago. We had a conference in Chicago. It was awesome. It was really good. It's just a time of blessing. And I came home, and um, Stacy and the kids had uh, worked really hard and fixed up our room and made it like our bedroom, made our bedroom nice and, you know, just made it cool. And Stacy um, repurposed a piece of, I guess it was a frame, and um, we have a frame on the back of our bed now that used to be like this golden frame, but like she like painted it blue and took the glass out and put uh, on the wall, uh, you and me. Like, you know, this is, it was really cute. It was really cool. But the frame, you know, she had to, she had to do things to it in order to bring it into its next season. You know, it was kind of like this ugly mirror that we've car- we've had for years. Y'all had stuff that you just carried for years and years and years. And like, <laughs> I know you have because I saw it. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> just helped them move here recently. It was literally one of the, the most challenging physical things in my life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was great. It's totally worth it. But let's just say that Layla has a lot of toys. I will say that. Layla, I mean, basically, we filled up a 27-foot U-Haul with Layla's toys. I mean, you know, and there's just a couple boxes in there of everybody. I know, I know, right? It was crazy. But, like, you know, we just have things that we carry, and we just don't get rid of them. We've had this mirror forever. My wife hates the mirror, and um, I think it's okay, but she never really liked it. And, and so, but she repurposed it and, you know, took the glass out and then painted it blue. So now it's, like, really pretty, and it has, like, this purpose, and it represents our marriage and our relationship, and it's all that. It's kind of cool, but it took time to restore that thing to a new purpose. And um, your mind is the same way. Because like, you know, when you get born again, the fullness of the work of God has taken place on the inside of you. But man, your life doesn't really change in terms of it changing down here on earth until you start to change the way you think and you start to renew your mind. And, um, you know, the, you can have all of heaven on the inside of you but until you change the way you think, it's just not going to get to the outside of you. You know, when I first got saved, you know, I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, lying, cheating, awful hu- human being. And I got saved in a moment of time, but I still had this drug addict mind. I still had this brain that was just filled with lies and deceit. And, um, and so I was experiencing heaven on the inside, but I wasn't experiencing heaven on the outside because I still thought like the person that I used to be. And so it took time with the Word of God to begin to renew my mind and to change the way I thought. And, you know, the church I was going to certainly wasn't perfect by any stretch of the means. But how many know there's power in the Scripture, even if it might not even be handled properly or correctly, right? And so I did develop a love for the Word of God during that period of time and, and started learning how to replace my thoughts with God's thoughts, because how many of you know your, your, your actions aren't going to change until you change the way you think? And, and really, the, 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 primary thing, the, the primary way that God wants to change the way you think is He wants to change um, who you believe that you are. 
See, when I, before I got saved, I, I, I was a drug addict, and I was a liar and a cheater, and I, was just, I, was, you know, I just wasn't a good person. I was dead. But after I got saved, I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And how many know, once you're born again, you're not a drug addict anymore. Now, I still struggled with drugs even after being saved. I still struggle with you know, alcoholism. And really, basically, I struggle with everything I struggled with before. But now I've got God on the inside of me, teaching me, walking with me. He's exactly right. And then the Word of God coming at me and the Spirit of God around me. And then God putting different people into my life. And all of a sudden, everything's tag-tinging tag my, my stinking thinking. And slowly the dumb block <laughs> began to get better. You know what I'm saying? Just being honest. And I haven't arrived by any stretch of the means, but you know what? I'm a whole lot, I'm a whole lot better than what I was 20 years ago. You know, I'm, I, I'm no longer addicted to drugs. I'm no longer addicted to alcohol. I'm no longer addicted to pornography. I'm no longer uh, depressed. I'm no longer, um, you know, just living that life that I was because of the fact that I'm doing what you guys are doing right now taking some time to renew your mind to the Word of God so that we can think God's thoughts and we can, and we can see ourselves the way God sees us. Because true freedom comes out of a place of identity. When I finally realized that I was a child of God and I wasn't a drug addict, that's when the drugs stopped having a hold on me. Y'all tracking me here? When I, when I started to embrace my identity. And so God is always looking to renew our minds. And you know that's what we do while we're down here on earth is we... You know, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your life is going to change as a result of, of renewing your mind to the way God sees things. And so it's important, it's powerful, and uh, you know, how many know the Word of God, it comes in like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And man, that Word just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming, and then you may be you know, struggling with a certain area of your life. Then all of a sudden, is that work? I mean, no, you can hit something over and over again, but there comes a breaking point. There comes a point when the chain pops off, and um, you don't know when that point's going to be. You ever chopped down a tree before? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like you're just swinging to this thing, and it's like, is this thing ever going to fall? And you can see you're making a little bit of progress here and there, but then all of a sudden, there's that one swing where the tree goes down, where the chain breaks, and that place of mind renewal happens in your in your life and man that that and then what ends up happening is you start walking in a light that you didn't walk in before you start seeing the world differently you know I spent a good portion of my life really not thinking God loved me uh, thinking that I had to earn things from God thinking I had to get enough faith chips together to get God to move or to bless me or I had to you know, sow enough seed to get God to bless me, or I had to pay enough tithe in order to get God to bless me. I had to go to church enough to get God to bless me. I had to get the pastor to like me to get God to bless me. And I, I was working, 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 you know, trying to get these things, not realizing that all these things had already been done when I got saved. You know, if you're born again, you're not trying to be blessed. No, you are blessed. You are past tense blessed. And you'd be like, well, Jeremiah, why aren't I experiencing maybe some of that blessing in my life? Well, then what we got to do is we just got to renew your mind to who you are. You ever searched for your sunglasses or your glasses and they were on your head? It's the hardest thing in the world, right? Like you just, when you're trying to search for something that you have, you are not going to find it because you already have it. And I can, I, can, I can think of moments in my life when I was trying to find my, my sunglasses. Where, where are my sunglasses at? Man, I lost them. Sun They're sitting right here the whole time, right? Or you've been searching for your keys, and you had them. 
Well, I'll tell you, the worst thing I ever did, I mean, potentially embarrassing thing, was we were at youth camp. We got youth camp coming up next week, so pray for me. You know what I'm saying? I got four days and no sleep and teenagers, and it's going to be awesome, but I need prayer. And, uh, but I was, some kid had lost his phone. We were out there trying to find his phone in the woods, and then we, we got so cut up trying to find his phone, I thought I lost my phone. I was like, where's my phone at? I had it in my hand. I had it in my hand. I was freaking out about losing my phone. It was in my hand. I was like, I didn't want anybody to know. I was like trying to play it off like, oh, yeah, I found it. <laughs> no, no, you know me. I told him. I told him what I did because that's what I do. But, but like when we're trying to get blessed and we already are blessed, we don't get to enjoy what we have. When we're trying to get right with God, when we already are right with God, we don't get to enjoy what we have. How I many you know being right with God is about believing in Jesus Christ? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're right with God. It doesn't mean everything in your life is right. It doesn't mean everything in your thoughts are right. But it means your salvation's a sure thing. How do you know that, Jeremiah? Well, how many old thief on the cross got saved and didn't do one single deed? You know, why? Because he did what God requires, which is to believe. And so when we're, we've had seasons of trying to get things that we already have, and so we weren't actually enjoying them, right? And so, you know, the mind renewal process is you're, 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 you're looking to take the Word and bring it into yourself and change the way you think because we want what God thinks. We don't want what anybody else thinks. We want His thoughts. Amen? Amen. And that's a progressive thing. That's something that, it, you know, line upon line, tittle upon tittle, here, there, here a precept, there a precept. You're building on something. And then how many know in the midst of your building, how many know sometimes you build some wrong things? And you're like, oh, dang, that's all that was trash. And you got to go back in there and you got to say, okay, well, this is wrong, this is wrong, but wait, that's right. But you never throw out the scriptures. Can I get an amen? You never throw out the scriptures. You may throw out someone's interpretation of the scripture, but never throw the scripture out. Because this, 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 this book here has been preserved for us um, because it is the life of God. When the Spirit of God is breathed upon it, when there's a rightly, you know, when the the the, the truth is rightly divided, all of these things, um, it, it's the voice of God to you, Amen. And there's so much power in it, and it's important to honor it, Amen. And so, you know, we've been looking at the balance of grace and faith, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of review here quickly, um, you know, because you know I, I spent a lot of time trying to get faith and could never get any faith because I didn't understand grace. And then, um, because, you know, without grace, faith becomes you trying to earn things from God, you trying to get God to bless you because you have such great faith, and, and when it's only faith, we, what ends up happening, everybody ends up in dead works, and then we also glorify the pastor. We think, well, he's got great faith, but my faith stinks, I could just be more like him, and a lot of times the pastor will encourage you in that, yes, you just need to be more like me, and you know what I'm saying, and all that bunch of stuff, which really is not... Is not good, and so faith alone, um, we we can't have only faith. We also can't have only grace, you know. And I had a season where I really just focused on grace so much, and it was an important season in my life because I was coming out of the ditch of only faith. But I came out of the ditch and I kind of hit the middle ground and had a good spot. Well, like a human being that I am, I went all the way in the ditch on the other side, and it was all about grace and it was none about faith. And um, then I, you know, it, and it wasn't good for me. It, you know, it, it kind of will uh, sap motivation, uh, can cause somebody to be lazy. Um, it, can, it can cause people not to be motivated. And it can cause you to talk about the buffet all day long, but you don't sink your fork into the food without faith. Faith is what eats what God provides. And so there's a balance. 
and um, of grace and faith that we need. And, um, and, and because that's what the Scripture says. Can I get an amen? There's no such thing as a faith person. There's no such thing as a grace person. You're either a believer in Jesus Christ who's alive, or you don't believe in Jesus and you're dead. That's the only types of people that are in the earth, you know? And so many times we, we spent too much time trying to identify with a revelation or identify with a minister or a ministry. And I just really want to encourage you, don't identify with a revelation. Don't identify with a person. Don't say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Jeremiah, I'm of whatever. Don't do that. Don't disservice yourself that. I mean, you don't have a lesser relationship with God than someone who's a minister. Amen. You don't have a smaller Holy Spirit. You don't have less righteousness with God. No, no, no. We're the family of God. Amen. And, and, and so you have your own relationship with God. And, and, and search things in the Scripture, whether they be true. If something bears witness with you, keep it. If it doesn't bear witness with you, sit it over here. You know, And there may come a time in your life when God may add it back in, or it may just be trash. And it's, not, and it's just trash. Or it might not just not be for you. But like, if we're going to grow as the body of Christ, we're going to have to have the maturity to have our relationship with God and allow other people to have their relationship with God and allow us to grow together. Amen? Now, there are certain things that are straight-up heresy, and you have to call them out for being heresy. And there is plenty of those things as well, but there's all these little gray areas that people spend a lot of time fighting about that really we shouldn't be focusing on, you know, do we baptize the name of Jesus? Do we baptize the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? You know, do we believe in this? Do we All these little small things. Like, you know what I'm saying? Let's... Let the side dish be the side dish. Let the main dish be the main dish. You know who the main dish is? Jesus. Amen. So I just want to encourage you in that. And so there's been a balancing in my own life, but Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, this is kind of our springboard verse for this, but it says, In the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, Grace alone doesn't save you. It's the truth. I mean, because here's the thing. Grace is a constant. Grace is a constant to every single person in this room. God never pulls His grace back from you. Ever. It's like oxygen. It's here. Now, it's not only towards you, it's actually towards everybody on this planet. The same level of amazing grace is directed toward all living beings. Everybody. Everybody. Just like oxygen, right? But in order, like you said, in order to receive that grace, you got to believe in Jesus Christ. And you got to believe in Him as the Son of God. You can't believe in Him as a historical figure. You must believe in Him being the Son of God. You must believe that He died for your sins. You must believe that He was raised from the dead. Those are the things you have to believe. That's how you get to, that's how you get to heaven. Amen? Simplest thing in the world. But grace alone doesn't save you. you got to believe in Jesus. And people will preach a concept of grace that tries to remove Jesus and that is not real grace. That's, that's, that's fake grace. Because anytime you try, it talks about in the book of Jude, anytime you try to deny the Lord. See, there is no grace without Jesus Christ. There is no heaven without Jesus Christ. There is no salvation without Jesus Christ. So if people can get up and they can share the same concepts of the gospel with love and grace and all of these things. But if you pull Jesus out of it, it's not a life-giving gospel. It's another gospel. It's a perverted gospel. So we cannot remove the Christ from the message. And um, so that's important, right? So, um, but it is by faith through grace that you're saved. 
And then, you know, we, we looked at, and I'm, we're not going to turn here because we, we have to roll through some stuff. So Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it lets us know God has dealt to everyone the measure of faith. What does that mean? That means no one in here has a bigger faith than somebody else. Okay, you've been given the measure of faith. You know, if I was serving soup to you and I had a ladle and, and you guys were coming through the line, I was putting the measure of soup into your bowl, everyone gets the same measure. So that's how it's happened now that you're born again. Now, before people were saved, you see, you know, because how many you know people didn't get saved until after the cross? Salvation was not possible until after the cross. Now, before the cross, you see Jesus rebuke people for having little faith. You see Jesus calling people out, saying, you know, ye, oh, ye of little faith, how long am I going to be with you? He marveled at the centurion's faith. Oh, you have great faith. He marveled at the Syrophoenician's woman. She had great faith. So faith was being measured in those days. But if you look at the epistles, there's never one time where Paul rebukes somebody of having little faith. Because now, not only did you get faith as a gift, check it out, you got Jesus' faith. All of Christ has moved in on the inside of you. And that, that was the next verse that we had looked at in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I'll read this to you. It said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. He knew that you couldn't do it on your own. So he says, look, I'm going to give you my faith. You're not trying to get more faith. You have the measure of faith. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Check it out. How many of y'all faith is the fruit of the Spirit? What does that mean? That means it's in there. So we were erroneously taught for years, you got to get bigger faith. you got to increase your faith. you gotta, you got to, you got to. And what was happening was our faith wasn't increasing. We were being taught how to have confidence in the flesh. Flesh is your own strength, your own willpower. And so people that had a lot of willpower look like they had a lot of faith. Really, we all had the same faith. There wasn't, you know, this person's not a person of great faith and this person a person of lesser faith, okay? The, you've been given the gift of faith. So you're not trying to get more faith. What you are doing is you're mixing the faith that you, that you have with the Word of God. And we looked at that um, last, last week. Um, we, because how many, know that, how many know you don't get saved without confessing Jesus as Savior. The spirit of faith speaks. And, and I know that this teaching has been perverted and it's been messed up and you got the name it and claim it. You got the blab it and grab it group. I understand all that. People went crazy with that stuff. They were trying to claim things that was... See, you can't claim something that God didn't provide in grace. You can't. You know, and, and I heard someone sharing about this when, when people kind of got a hold of this back in the day. There was this lady who was trying to claim Kenneth Copeland as her husband. You know? And she was trying to claim him as her, you know, I believe I've received Kenneth Copeland as my husband, you know? And, and, uh, and, then they would, and then they would curse Gloria Copeland, which is Kenneth Copeland's wife, right? And so she's trying to, you know, you know, how many know that grace, in grace, there's not a provision for adultery? I mean, it's just not in there. Like, you can't believe God for adultery. Why? Because it's not in grace. It's not, it's not provided. So this lady was, was trying to believe God for something that God didn't provide, and she never got it. And so, like, you can access by faith into grace everything that God has provided. But if God didn't provide it through His grace, then you can't believe God for it. Everybody tracking me on that? 
And so, um, and let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We'll actually turn there. And, and, I, and I'll bring this, and I'll read you this passage real quick as well. It says, therefore, this is Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom also we access by faith into this grace. Once again, faith accesses grace. Faith accesses grace. Faith accesses grace. Amen? Faith is the fork that puts it into the fried chicken and puts it into your mouth. God provides the table. How many know He's prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies? How many know everything that you have need of in this life has already been provided through Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross? And I'll say this, and this is extremely important for you to understand. Faith does not move God. I mean, that right there, you are not moving God with your faith. We were taught that. And, and this is what it did to us. It messed us up in the head. Because it made us feel like when we didn't get what we prayed for, that God was being a jerk and God was being insensitive and God was just saying, I'm sorry you haven't built up enough faith chips. I'm sorry you're just going to have to sow more seed. I'm sorry your church attendance has been bad. I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. Because God wouldn't get up off His couch to come give you a little bit of healing. Or God wouldn't get up off His couch to come bring some financial provision into your life. And so what it left you with is it just left you mad at God. You're thinking, God don't like me. He likes them. He likes pastor so-and-so and and minister whoever. But He don't like me because God's moving for them. You know, how many know if if I said, hey man, we got donuts for everybody. And I went around, and we have tons of donuts, so eat some donuts. We all brought donuts this morning, amen? Which, hey, there's no such thing as too many donuts, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, come on, I'm in full agreement with that. I love donuts, amen? But let's say I'm out here passing out donuts to everybody, and I'm walking around passing them out, but I don't pass one to you. Like, I give everybody a donut but you. How many know you're going to be like, what's his problem? You trying to say I don't need another donut? Ain't nobody need a donut. I want a donut, you know? And like, so like, you're going to begin to develop in your mind what's wrong with me or what's wrong with you that you didn't receive. And so this teaching that faith moves God makes us feel like God don't love us. And then also... It also, it also puts you into a place of legalism because then you're just trying to impress God enough with your actions of faith. You're trying to impress God enough with, your, with the things that you do so He'll get up off His couch and change the remote in your life. Right? It's the wrong way to think. Faith does not move God. Let me tell you something. You know what God's doing right now? He's sitting down. That's what Scripture says. You know why? Because the job's finished. How I many know when the job's finished, you sit down? But you don't sit down until the job is finished. Well, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus said, Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. And then three days later, when he walked out of that tomb, the job actually wasn't finished yet. He had one more thing to do. He had to ascend to heaven to to cleanse the heavenlies. I love the fact that they recorded that. He's like, don't touch me. I'm still ascending to heaven. So he was doing some crazy stuff we don't even know nothing about. We'll probably learn that on the other side. But like he was walking around, but he was ascending to heaven at the same time. He's like, you don't want to touch this. There's too much power going on. I don't want to fry your head. You know, don't touch me yet because I'm still doing something, right? But like after, gosh, man, I just feel God. After he rose from the dead, right? 
after he conquered hell, death, and the grave, after he cleansed the heavens, the Bible says that he sat down on the right hand of his father, and they are both sitting down right now. What are they doing? They are waiting for their enemies to be made their footstool. By who? Us. Us. But the Spirit of God within us. Because the, the third part of the Trinity is not in heaven. The third part of the Trinity is on earth. The Spirit of God's here. And He's coaching and He's trying to teach us how to plug into the things that Jesus already provided 2,000 years ago. So you're not moving God at all with your faith. You are accessing the power station that was planted in the earth 2,000 years ago. All right? And so my beautiful little piece of artwork, because there's a Lego in there. I just love that. That's how you know you came to the Johnson houses, because there's Legos involved. We love Legos, amen? But, yeah, and I step on them pretty regularly, too. It's just a part of it. But this will give you, know, it's rudimentary, but this is going to give you a clear understanding that, and, and I just want to get this down inside of you because many of us have been taught this incorrectly, and I'll, and I'll share this real quick. How I many you know if I go to my house after we finish church and my TV's not on, my air conditioning's not on, and my lights aren't on, and then I'm going to call KU Electric and be like, hey, I need y'all to come turn my TV on, turn my lights on, turn my air conditioning on. How I many you know they're going to hang up on me? Because that's not their job. Their job is to supply the power. My job is to turn it on. God supplied all power through the cross 2,000 years ago. Your faith plugs into what's already here. You're not trying to move God. God moved. You're trying to plug into what God has provided. And that's where the Word of God comes in. Because how I many of you know faith comes by hearing? Hearing by the Word of Christ. It's the Word of God that brings faith. But it's the Word of God that's wrapped in Jesus that brings faith. Because how many know that the, that, that the law won't bring faith? The law will condemn you. The law will actually strengthen sin, according to Scripture. But when you hear a word that's soaked in Jesus, how I many of you can take an Old Testament Scripture soaked in Jesus and it will bring faith? Amen? And, and when it's soaked in Jesus, what does it mean soaked in Jesus, Jeremiah? Well, here's the thing. Jesus is a Savior. He's the author and finisher of your faith. What does that mean in, in a nutshell? That means that Jesus is looking to rescue you at all times. He rescues you from death by causing you to be born again and stepping into eternal life. I mean, he wants to rescue you from sickness. He wants to rescue you from disease. He wants to rescue you from poverty. He wants to rescue you from lack. He wants to rescue you from anger. He wants to rescue you from addiction to sin. He wants to rescue you from everything that would try to stop freedom from reigning in your life. He wants to rescue you from fear. And so what does that mean? As a rescuer, He's coming to save you. I mean, you know, you know uh, the clearest representation of a, a solid rescue in my mind is a lifeguard. You know, if someone's drowning in a pool, a lifeguard doesn't swim to the bottom of the pool and hand them a book on how to swim. I mean, that's, that's a bad lifeguard. They also don't swim to the bottom of the pool and say, did you pay your ticket to get in? That's a bad lifeguard. What's a lifeguard do? A lifeguard dies in the pool, swims to the bottom, and rescues that person for free with zero instruction. So you have to understand that Jesus is looking to rescue you at all times. His outstretched hand of rescue is towards you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Your faith 
is what grabs His hand and allows Him to pull you up into what He's already provided for you. Are y'all tracking me here? And so, it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into His rest, let, let, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the gospel which, which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. Now, this is talking about the spies that went into the promised land. Ten spies did not make it into the promised land. Two spies did, Joshua and Caleb. What was the difference between the two? Simply this, how they talked. How they talked. Because what you believe is what you're going to say. It's the truth. You, be, you can hear what someone believes by what they say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, and let's turn to number, Numbers 13 real quick. And like I said, we're still kind of doing a review here because you have the measure of faith, but you got to mix it with your words. You got to mix it with your words. And this is some of the stuff we learned from back of the day that, it, that is scriptural. Now, they, the way they presented it was wrong. They were like, you know, we're trying to move God. We're trying to fast and move God. We're trying to do all this stuff. And we're confess, 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 confess to move God. We got dry mouths and empty pockets and sick bodies. Because we were doing it to try to get God to move, and we were actually in legalism, we were trying to make God in debt to us. If I say it a thousand times, maybe God will get up off his couch and, and heal me or whatever. That's actually not how it works at all. But let's look at how they spoke here. Numbers 13 and verse 31, it says, But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against his people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an, look at that, evil report. Now here's, here's something you have to understand. Were the people in the land stronger than the children of Israel? Yes. That's a statement of fact. They weren't lying. They were telling the truth. But there was never a time where God said you're going to be stronger than your enemies. He's never said that. In fact, He's always like, your enemies are going to kick your butt without me. But what's cool is, I'm going to be with you. So I can handle whatever enemies this world throws at you. But you're going to have to depend on me. Listen, if you can win the battle, it's not worthy of God's glory. Come on. That's right. If you can win the battle, it's not worthy of His glory. Come on, brother. If you can win the battle in your own strength, it's not worthy. Come on. No, God said, I want you to fight big giants. I want you to fight. I want you to stand as my, my children. Stand before the Red Sea and watch me part it. Stand before Goliath and, wa and watch him fall. You follow me? Why? Because in those moments when big battles are fought and impossible situations and circumstances take place, and God comes in to rescue you, God gets glorified. Because everybody that knows you, knows you didn't do that. Y'all tracking me here? And, and, and like they, we know that it was the Lord. That God's glorified in that. But man, you know, if you've got some little tiny giant that you can kick over yourself, that ain't, that's not worthy of the glory of God. No, God's going to bring you into situations and circumstances in a fallen world that are going to be stronger than you. And he's not the author of death. He's not the author of destruction. He doesn't bring sickness. He doesn't bring disease. He doesn't bring these things into people's life. But this is a fallen world, and there are plenty of enemies. But 
He, what he did not say is that he was going to leave you alone. But what these guys just said, but these guys didn't mix it with faith. And they didn't get into the promised land. Can we let the rubber hit the road for a second? Can we, can we just be practical here? Ten guys ran their mouth and talked about the facts. Two guys ran their mouth and talked about the truth, which was greater than the facts. So let's look at how they spoke. Numbers 14 and verse 6. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. They said, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And here's the, here's the key difference. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land, and He will give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Like, quit being so afraid. Stop staring at the facts. Stop talking about gas prices. Stop talking about, you know, recession. And stop talking about, I don't just, I understand all that stuff's going on. And racism and division and violence. I understand those things are going on. Those are facts. But how many know there's a truth that's greater than gas prices? There's a truth that's greater than, you know, racism and hatred and division. There's a truth. How many of truth trumps facts? Every time, man, truth will just trump a fact, boy. Because God's like, you know, all, whatever I say happens. See, see, God has shown us how this thing works and how creation come to pass. God saw, dark, God saw darkness. He didn't speak darkness. He saw darkness and said, light be. He spoke contrary to what he saw because what he says happens. And all of a sudden, the Big Bang happened. Creation happened right there in that moment. Not the Big Bang the way they think it is. The Big Bang the way it is. God spoke and it was and it, it was a bang. You know what I'm saying? God said, like being, bam, the whole universe was created. These scientists, boy, they, once they study hard enough, they're going to see Jesus. Like, I've been trying to tell y'all, y'all think it's dark matter. It's my word. <laughs> They are trying to find the God particle and trying to find dark matter and all. Spending billions of dollars. I'm like, dude, I know what y'all are looking for. It's God. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So funny, man. Because they can tell that there's some type of mass that's holding everything together. And it's five times more prevalent than regular mass. They just can't figure out what it is. It's Jesus. <laughs> it's cool. Y'all spend all that money. And then once you arrive to the conclusion, you know, whatever. Anyway. And so it says, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. They are our bread. What does that mean? That means adversity is a, is a feeding ground for the promises of God. You know, I mean, just last Sunday, I was sharing testimony how, how you know, Eli went through that battle and, you know, and had those pain in his joints and, you know, swelling and couldn't walk and couldn't stand and all of these things. I mean, we're on the other side of that thing. That thing bowed its knee to Jesus Christ. He's running around, playing, no pain, no joint pain, none of that bunch of crap. Why? Because the facts were that those things were attacking his body, but the truth is that his Savior made provision for his healing 2,000 years ago before he was born. And we had to make a decision to not agree with the medical community, but make a decision to agree with the Word of God and say what God said and mix it with faith so that we could see the desired result. Y'all track him here. And so, and now that, that scenario, I mean, you know, we all fed on that last Sunday when we were here. When I shared the testimony of that, it was powerful. It rocked all of us. It rocked me, right? 
Because out of the place of adversity, God's got some bread. There was provision. There was feeding for us. Why? We were all encouraged, right? See, when a true testimony is shared, it will never glorify the person sharing. That's how you know it's wrong. See, legalism, anytime they testify, it's, well, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've sown this, and I've given that. That's not the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the testimony of your flesh and your carnality. You're saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, I'm awesome. That's not the kingdom. No, the kingdom is, look at Jesus, 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 he's awesome. Despite the fact that I was an idiot, despite the fact that I made mistakes, despite the fact God came through and God won. Can I get an amen? amen. And, when, and when, when Jesus is glorified in a testimony, it actually edifies and strengthens everybody in the room. But when a man or woman get up and they just testify about themselves and how great their faith is and how awesome they are, that's not the true testimony of Jesus Christ. It does not encourage. It actually brings people low. And it causes you to worship the individual. That's actually wrong. It's legalism veiled under a banner of faith. But it's not real faith. Because real faith receives something for free that Jesus has already provided. Amen. Anytime you see somebody trying to sell something, in God's kingdom, run. Because it ain't for sale. They put their own price tag on it. They're trying to be a middleman when God took the middleman out. Amen. I'm not mincing words about that any longer. Come on, I'm, let the axe be laid at the root. People have been robbed from too long. It's all free. And so, um, so do you see the difference in the way they spoke? You know, and so God has always been just trying to get a hold of people's mouths. Because, like, you're not trying to get more faith, but you do need to agree with God. Sure. You know, even, you know, concerning, you know, I just went to Chicago, you know, and Chicago's not exactly the safest place in the world, you know. And um, praise God, you know, it's all that gun control they got up there. Praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, all right, don't get me started. Anyway, and so, but, but like, when I'm going up there, like, I'm going to agree with the scriptures that God is my place of safety. Amen. You know, and I'm going to speak that out of my mouth and I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to agree with God. I'm not going to agree with the spirit of this world. I'm not going to agree with the news station. I'm not going to agree with those things. I don't deny those facts, but what I have to say is that I'm going to say what God has said about me. And what is that? That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Right. Amen. Amen. That I abide in the secret place of the most high. I have a promise of, of protection. Amen. And how many know a part of that promise of protection is me working together with the Lord's direction? What does that mean? When God says, don't go there, don't do that, listen. Because you can't take the Lord's protection, and, and God's merciful, but like sometimes God will be like, how I many you know sometimes correction is protection? It's don't do that, don't say that, don't go there. What's God doing? He's trying to protect you. And in times past, under the old way of thinking, I would take a promise and try to muscle my way through any type of relationship. I won't hear what God's telling me to do or be led. I'm just going to claim this promise. And it actually doesn't work like that. How many of you know it's in line with relationship? How many of you want to do what God tells you to do? Why? Because he's smarter than us. You know what I'm saying? Like, he knows what's up. I mean, I just like, just praise God. When you listen to God, good things happen. When you listen to yourself, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a great revelation to have. Like, never let go of that. You was dumb without Jesus. You know? <laughs> Amen.
Anyway, and so, but there's a partnership in Joshua and Caleb in that they, they, they spoke what God said. And, and so, let's turn to Genesis 17, please. And we're going to go back to the beginning here. And, and I tell you what, man, if you, if you want to understand, when I mean the beginning, I mean like the beginning of when God started rolling his gospel out. If you take a look at the life of Abraham, you can learn so much about your modern day new covenant because God came to Abraham and gave him um, a cut of covenant with him really based in grace. And there was no legalism in Abraham's mind. There was no law of Moses. There was no sense of disqualification towards Abraham. God just came to him and said, hey, I'm going to be good to you. Follow me. And he was just on the back 40 worshiping the moon, worshiping the moon God or whatever, you know, and and God just came out and picked him out and said, follow me. And so this guy's relationship with God was like so beautiful because there was no legalism in there. There was no sense of performance. It was just this amazing God being good to this man and this man making mistakes and this man making mistakes here and making mistakes here, but just God rescuing him and rescuing him and rescuing him until he became a man of great faith. And the Bible refers to Abraham as being the father of our faith. And the reason Abraham had such a great faith Abraham had no legalism to void his faith out. Abraham was never trying to earn anything from God ever. He was just receiving freely what God had given. So Abraham did not have a system of disqualifying himself based upon his behavior. Now, I'm not speaking disparagingly about the law of Moses when it came because it was very necessary. It was a very part of, very big part of God's plan. I mean, you can't get saved until you know you need a Savior. And the law is what measures you and weighs you in the balances and says, you're not good enough on your own. Here, let me be the schoolmaster. Let me take you by the hand. Let me lead you to the one that can save you. Let me lead you to Jesus. So I'm not antinomian. I'm not anti-law by any stretch of the means. It has a very important uh, job to play. I mean, this morning, anybody look in the mirror this morning when they got ready? (laughs) Amen. I mean, the mirror will show you what's up, but it won't change anything. You know what I'm saying? And so like the law was the mirror to show you what's up. But the grace of God comes in and actually cleans you up and makes you right with God. Amen? And so, but Abraham had no concept of disqualification. So here comes God. God's going to get to this man. God's going to speak into this man's life. He's going to bring him into a place of covenant. And what you understand in Genesis 17, when we're about to tag in, he's been walking with the Lord for a while, but there's a certain blessing that hasn't come into his life yet. And this is something that he actually wants more than anything else God has given him. I mean, at this stage in Abram's life, he's blessed financially, big time. The Bible says that he's rich in, in cattle, silver, and gold. How many know that he's been protected? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, he took 318 trained servants and defeated five kingdoms, five armies. Everybody say ninja. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I don't know what them boys was doing or what they were eating, but they had no fatalities. Nobody died, and Abraham just went around whooping everybody. And, you know, and so God protected him. God empowered him. God kept him. Um, God did all these things, but he had this one thing that he really wanted. I mean, he just wanted a kid. He just wanted a son. He just wanted a child. And, and so that had not happened in his life yet. But God's about to bring this promise into his life. But listen to me. God is not only going to provide the grace for Abraham to have this promise, but listen, God's going to get to his mouth. 
God gets to his mouth here. God puts the promise in Abram's mouth. Let's look at it. Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram, I mean, Abram, he's Abram at this point. He is not the father of many. He's the father of, like, Ishmael, right? Is he Ishmael at this stage? Yeah, he's got an Ishmael. (laughs) Praise God. Anybody ever had one? Hallelujah. They are fantastic. (laughs) They will teach you how to regret not listening to God. (laughs) Okay, moving right along. Hallelujah. (laughs) We've all been there, right? Hallelujah. Okay. Um, When Abram was 99 years old, I mean, at 99, you were incapable of producing a child. And he's he's married to a barren woman. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him. I mean, they're friends. They have like this friendship. Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. Now, here's where it happens. Hold on, we're going to let the kids walk through, and we're going to make this point. Amen. It's good. The kids are in, they're, they're awesome. They're important. Amen. It's wonderful. If we can't pass the baton, what are we doing, right? And so he says, my covenant is with you. Listen, this is when God speaks. You shall be a father of many nations. Now, how many know that whatever God says happens? Because that's how he is. He's incapable of lying because if he did lie, it would become truth. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I just want to give you a little understanding on how powerful God is. If God got up today and looked at the grass and said, the grass is orange, the grass would suddenly become orange. Because he can't lie. Whatever he says happens. You know why he's so powerful? He's right. He's righteous. Amen. That that, that always seems to amaze me more than it does everybody else. But (laughs) anyway, I just think that's awesome. He can't lie because whatever he says happens. So he says, he says, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. And then he goes on to say, he says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Right here, God just got to his mouth. He said, I want you to change the way you talk about yourself. You have a new name. You have a new identity. And not only... Is that this new nature that I'm giving you going to change the way you talk about yourself? It's going to change the way your wife talks about you. How I many you know you need some people in your life that will agree with who you are in Christ? Not just talk about how bad your flesh is. That's how we minister grace to each other. Is we speak what God says about each other. We encourage each other. How I many you know we all make mistakes? We all you know, get in the flesh sometimes. But the way you can be a good brother and sister in the Lord is not take somebody's nose and rub it into their mistakes. No, no. Take somebody's nose and rub it into Jesus' chest. (laughs) Say, you need some help? It's right here. Let me remind you who you are in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that there's an absence of correction. I mean, you know, if someone was in here and they, you know, and they were doing some things that, that you know, if someone was in here beating their wife or something like that, I mean, I'm going to correct that. Amen. But how I many know I'm also going to bring them back to who they are in Christ? Because how I many know the victory is not in anybody's own strength? How I many know the victory is always going to be in Jesus? 
Always. And so God got to his mouth. He said, no longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Now, this is what he says in the next statement. He says, for I have made you a father of many nations. When did that happen? Two, verse, two, two lines before. Because when God said it, it's done. He, he says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. He just changed his entire identity by saying, you have a new name. Your name's Abraham. What does Abraham mean? Father of many. For I have made you a father of many nations. So now, how many know God has provided it by grace? God has laid it out for him. But how many know God, it's important for Abraham to agree with God? How did he do that? He started calling himself what God called him. He started calling himself what God called him. Now what does that mean for me and you? How many know you need to call yourself what God's called you? What's God called you? He's called you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How many know God wants you to call yourself in this place of a new identity? How many know if I spent 20 years after being born again calling myself a drug addict, do you know that my behavior probably would still be just like it was back in the day? Even though all the power of heaven resides on the inside of my chest through Jesus Christ and His finished work, if I never partnered with and agreed with the truth that I was a new creation, then I wouldn't walk out the victory that had been placed on the inside of me. We have to agree with what God has said. And that's what He did. And how many of they did the same thing to Sarah? Her name was no longer Sarai. Her name was Sarah. Father of many, mother of many. This is an example to show us how to conduct ourselves. Now listen, don't turn to Romans chapter 4, please. Don't get caught up. This is not name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. I'm not preaching that. I'm not preaching that. I'm not preaching that you say you have a house, you know, this house 10,000 times, all of a sudden this house is going to just manifest and be there. Or you're saying that you have somebody's spouse. What's up? What you got? You going to cast the devil out of your phone? <laughs> Droid. <laughs> it's all because the apple doesn't do that. Amen. <laughs> hey, at least it's speaking scripture. You know what I'm saying? I, I guess that's better than like you know. At least it's speaking scripture. At least it's not cussing you out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Put me down, blankety blank blank. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if that were the case, it would definitely be an Android phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, I'm sorry. I repent. I repent. I repent. I repent. All right, Romans chapter four. But like, we partner with what God says, and I'm not. But but listen, primarily, you've been given faith and grace to become a new person. That's the number one thing. See. Don't spend your time pursuing things. This is really important. Because back in the day when we were taught some of this, we were always taught to, you know, confess, you know, like things, like cars and houses and money. And, and for some of y'all, that may just sound completely alien, but we went through a period of time where that's what we talked about. 
God didn't give you the Scriptures so you could pursue things. God gave you the Scriptures so you could enjoy Him and you could enjoy who you are in Him. You never see Abraham believing God and confessing for silver and gold and cattle. No, no. You don't see him releasing his faith for that. You don't see him releasing his faith for divine protection. You, don't see, you just see him embracing who he is. And as he embraces who he is, all the blessings follow him. This is really important. Matthew chapter 6, verse, don't turn there, but I'm going to quote it to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are added unto you. You embrace who you are in Christ. Healing will follow you. Mercy will follow you. Goodness will follow you. Provision will follow you. Protection will follow you. You use all of your faith to believe in Jesus and who you are in Jesus. I mean, you know, as He is, so are we in this world, right? We identify with Him. And so when we are speaking... And we're agreeing. How many of we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? What do I testify to you today? I tell you right now, I'm a forgiven man. I'm not a perfect man, but I'm a perfectly forgiven man. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. Amen? Thoughts of the righteous are right. The way, in the way of righteousness, there's life and there is no death. All of these things are things I'm saying about who I am in Jesus. And that's the difference between having it in truth and going back to that weird stuff that's, that's more like New Age than it really is like the kingdom of God. And so let, let's look at it. Romans chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. It wasn't through his conduct that made him right with God, but through the righteousness of faith. It was the fact that he believed God. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that it might be sure to all the seed. When it's faith and grace, it's a sure thing, because it removes the weak link, which is us. And not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Remember when God said that to him? Right after he renamed him. I have made you a father of, of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead, and listen, this is important, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is where that concept comes from. Abram, a childless 99-year-old man, God said, I'm going to speak and give you a new name. Here's the gospel. God promised him a child. He believed him. Because he believed him, listen, he changed the way he spoke about himself. So he began to call himself Abraham when he had no children. This statement, calling those things which be not as though they are, it's about your identity in Christ. It's not you running around trying to say you got this house, or you got this car, or you got this spouse, or you got this, these things. No, you say who you are in Jesus. You say, I am a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Yeah, but you were a drug addict. No, but I'm not anymore. I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Yeah, but you, I th you were an angry person. No, I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. You 
say, you call those things which be not as though they are. You say the new name that the Lord has given to you. What's the new name? It's your identity in Christ. How I many of oh, you are you're a Christian? You're, an, you're in the anointed one and his anointing. You're, you're a believer. How I many of oh, you have a new nature? Amen. You have eternal life dwelling on the inside of you. You agree with that. There are whole groups of Christians that all they do is talk about how they're sinners. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I understand what they're saying in the sense that none of us are perfect. But folks, if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're not a sinner any longer. You're now a child of God. You're now the righteousness of God in your spirit. Now, you may, may, you, we're all going to make mistakes outwardly. But if I identify with failure, how can I be surprised when I have anything but failure? Once again, going back to what if for 20 years I called myself a drug addict? My life wouldn't change. I'd probably be dead. I'd be a dead Christian because I didn't agree with God. And I'd be bringing death onto myself rather than life. But I've spent 20 years saying I'm not a drug addict. I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Amen? And I have areas in my life where I'm, in, I'm, I'm identifying with Jesus and who He is, and I see victory in those areas. Then I have some other areas in my life that I'm still working on. But I don't agree with those areas in the sense that I'm just going to say, well, I'm just an angry person. I'm just an angry person. I'm just an angry person. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that you have peace. Y'all tracking me here? But if I identify with my failure, I'm not going to be set free from it. And that goes for sickness too. If I identify with something. You know, I prayed for a lady at the conference who was dealing with migraines. And she kept saying, my migraines, my migraines, my migraines. Man, if you, if you want to embrace that as a part of your identity, it's not going anywhere. Why? Because you're not plugging in. You're not plugging in. You're not mixing it with faith. You're just, just like the, the spies. The land is too big. The land is too strong. The people are too great. Those are facts. The migraines are facts. But the truth is that by His stripes you were healed. The truth is that Jesus took migraines on the cross. The truth is that God, it's God's will to heal you. That's the truth. And you have to agree with what God has said in order to plug in. And so I, I very gently and lovingly just corrected her. And I said, you really can't call those yours if Jesus took them. So we got to change what she's saying in order for her to access the healing that's already on the inside of her by the power of the cross. And so, I mean, you know, that God got to Abram's mouth. And Abraham started doing what God said, started calling those things which be not as though they were. And he started calling himself Abraham. And how many you know he ended up having a kid? And then he had another one. And then he had another one. And then he had another one. And then now I feel like Abraham. You know what I'm saying? I had somebody come over and do some work to, to some roofing stuff for me re recently, and I used to go to church with him back in the day. I haven't seen him forever, and uh, and he was just like, he's like, how many more kids do you got, man? And he started looking around at pictures, and I come down with the kid, you know, and he was like, I was like, yeah, man, I was like, there's all kinds of kids. We done now though, praise God, we good, Lord. Well, I was at the conference and somebody said something to me and I thought they were prophesying daughter over me, man. I just rebuked them, man. I was like, you need to shut your mouth. <laughs> They didn't say daughter. They said, like, how much farther or something like that. But I wigged out. I was like, what did you say? And I was like, no, no. I was like, okay, praise God. Because I was, you know, I can only handle one. 
There will be only one little girl. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, she's all I can handle, man. It's like she is set on go, man. God love her, man. Oh, man. Come on. Don't make me nervous here. Let's all, let's all speak life and joy. And, amen. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> oh, calling those saints just be not as though they are. Calling those saints just be not as though they are. Now, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We close. I got three minutes left and we close because I'm a good boy. If I can't say it in an hour, I need to change the way I'm saying it. I believe that. Hebrew, Hebrew, now, you know, if God shows up and glory of God comes in here, we're going to skip lunch. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. But if I'm just teaching you something, it needs to have a starting point and an ending point. They're saying there's plenty of donuts. Yeah, and ain't nobody need to get lunch after church because there's, there's a feast of donuts back there. And cinnamon rolls, too, praise God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. What are we talking about here? How many, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many know that Joshua and Caleb had evidence and substance within themselves that God was good and delighted in them and was going to give them the land. And the substance and evidence within them was a confidence, was a persuasion that God was going to be with them and for them. And as a result of them honoring that persuasion, that faith, that confidence, they had a good report and they had something good to say. And they said, the Lord, if He delights in us, He's going to give us the land. The giants are bred for us. We got this. So what was within them was stronger than what they saw. What was within them? How I many know not everybody looks at a problem the same way? Some people look at something and be like, oh my gosh, we can't do it. You're right. You can't. You know, one of the things I'm trying to teach uh, Eli right now is like, if he said, well, I can't do that. Well, you know, if he thinks he can't do it, then he can't. But he, we got to switch that can't to can. Because if you realize that you actually can do it, you'll look at it different and you'll conquer it. You know, you've heard people say, the people say they can or people say they can are both right. It's true. And, and two guys said, God, our God's got this thing. We can do this. And those two guys went in because they had a good report. Now, was it a factual report? I mean, that no one could see God to know that he, he was good and that He loved them. But the facts were that there were giants in the land. The facts were that there were, they were outnumbered. The facts were all of these things. How I many know as we're sitting here this morning, most of the world's against us? They're against us. But who cares? Like, it's always been this way. You and God are always the majority over a million people that disagree with you. And so we obtain the good report by faith, by believing what God has said over what this world says, right? And, and, and the Scripture will help you get to that place. One of the most powerful things you can do is speak the Word of God out and meditate on it and think about it. What are you doing? You're chewing it. You're, you're sucking the faith out of it. You know what I'm saying? You're, 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 you know, the, the, the word picture there is when a child, when a child, when a cow chews its, its cud and it brings it back up and it chews it. When you start just sitting there, man, man, God loves me. 
you know, just I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You start to speak that, you're not trying to move God. You're trying to convince yourself that what God said is true. And how many know eventually as Abraham, as Abram began to call himself Abraham, he made a transition point until he started to identify with something he did not see yet. But he mixed it with faith. The, the, Joshua and Caleb, they mixed it with faith. They mixed it. They spoke it. And I'm not encouraging you to, you know, get over into works and get all weird and start, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying blab it and grab it, but I'm saying that the Scriptures declare. Let's just take every preacher's name off of it. The Scriptures say that you must agree with God to enjoy what He's provided. Because you're not moving God. You're plugging into what He's already provided. And your words are what cause you to do that. You ever thought you plugged your phone in at night and you didn't plug it in? That's a really uncool thing, isn't it? You wake up and you're like, man, my phone's start. Oh, what happened? Well, you missed a connection somehow. How many know you can't get mad at your phone as much as you want to? You can't get... How many know the problem, it wasn't the phone's fault you didn't connect. It wasn't the electrics company's fault you didn't connect. How many know you just got to change the way you're connecting? You ever had a time when your phone is like, it's kind of getting on its last legs and you got to hold that charger like this and you got to bend it like this and hold your pinky like that so it'll charge? (laughs) We've all done that, right? Why? Because... In order for you to receive the power, you've got to make the connection. How many of y'all think that we might be able to change the way we're talking just a little? How many of you think we might be able to agree with God a little bit more than the way we have been? And like I said, I mean, you know, they weren't out there, Joshua and Caleb weren't all out there being weirdos confessing over and over again. We're going to have the promised land. We're going to have the promised land. We're going to have the promised land. They weren't doing that. They were like, hey, we got the promised land. God delights in us. Why? They weren't trying to move God. They knew that God wanted them to have that promised land, and they agreed with God. Do y'all see the difference? Let's not agree with the world. Let's not agree with the news. Let's not agree. Let, let's, let's set our agreement on what God has said. I want what God has for my family. What are we going to do? I'm going to say what, what I'm going to, we're going to say the stuff that God says. We do confessions every night before we go to bed. We pray and then we do confession. And I lead my family in confession. And Eli is in there. He does it. And now Lily has started. Lily has started saying, now she has no idea what she's saying, you know, but she's, she's trying to say it. And here's the thing how I many know if my family is agreeing with their mouth what God has said about us? We're mixing the, the faith that's already on the inside of us, and we're going to enjoy more of the promises of God just because we're agreeing with God. Y'all track them here? Like, this isn't some weird legalistic thing where you're trying to make something happen. No, this is the way God set this thing up. How many know God made everything with words? See, we think things are powerful, they're not. Everything has been made by words. Words are more powerful than things. Do you know these things will waste away? 
Do you know this whole earth will be wasted away? Do you know what will still be here? The Word of God. He upholds all things by the Word of His power. We've got it wrong. We think this physical world is powerful. It's not. The spoken Word is what's powerful. Everything came from there. And we live in a world where we think words are weak. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's garbage. There's nothing more powerful than words. It says here, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were were not made of the things which are visible. It all came from words. And so, like, we've been given this power. We need to take advantage of it. Because I ain't rolling with the punches of this world. I'm not participating in a recession. I'm not, I'm not believing for sickness and disease and poverty and lack. Forget all that crap. I don't want none of it. Keep it out of my house. Keep it out of my mouth. I want, I want what God says I can have. My confidence is not in the government. My confidence is not in the dollar bill. My confidence is not in myself. My confidence is not in you. My confidence is not in this church. My confidence is in Jesus Christ. That's where my confidence is, because he's the only one that can handle what's coming down the pike. And if I keep my eyes on him, and I do what he tells me to do, and I agree with him, then we're going to get through this thing, and we're going to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. That's the plan. Amen? All right. Praise God. Amen. Well, Lord, we just we thank you that you continue to teach us, Lord, how to access this grace by faith. Lord, I thank you that you help us to say what you have said and to agree with you, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.